everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I am your host Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and that God is blessing in your life. As you know, we come together to read and study in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our lives and also so that we can discover the purpose for our lives. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that you have been well. Um, as you know, we have uh, been doing an interest, some interesting studies of late. Um, we talked about how we wanted to be more like God so that we could, you know, stand in his image and how that sometimes the things that we put first in our lives sort of draw us away from that kind of thing. And I want us to sort of look at that one more time. We're actually going to uh, go into part two of this. And I think it's really interesting. Um, I think we really need to start, you know, as believers thinking about what it means to actually be that. Because I think a lot of times, um, you know, we just assume that, you know, you just, you know, become a Christian and you go on living your life. So today, um, our anchor text is actually going to be in Psalms chapter 16, verse 4. And I think it really highlights something about the way that we see the things in our life and the importance that we put upon them. So again, our anchor text today is going to be Psalms chapter 16, verse 4. And it says, Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. And I think this is really important because I think we never really associate, you know, what happens to us when we go after quote unquote other gods, whether those other gods are wood and stone or whether they are things that we want in our life, people or position or power. And it says in Psalm chapter 16, verse four, that, you know, their sorrows are going to be multiplied that go after gods. And I think we kind of see this when we see people kind of chasing fame and other kinds of things. You see, they get so many sorrows in their life that, you know, there is a need for, you know, sometimes abuse of certain kinds of substances just to make it through because sorrows are multiplied. And if you ever want to know how to multiply your sorrows, this is one way of doing it. In Genesis chapter 35, verse 2, um, and also in verse uh, 4, idols were known as strange gods. And the word strange often meant foreign in the uh, old you know, uh, English. And so it just meant foreign gods. So these were creations from different tribes, different nations, and kingdoms. And so as we've learned, people will always create gods to worship and they've always done this since Genesis. Therefore, we cannot be shocked when people create new religions, new belief systems. You know, you say, where did you get that from? They just came up with it. That is what people do. And so most cultures create gods that actually suit their ideas, that suit their environment, or even their traditions. If you're someone like me and you like cultures and you like learning about, you know, other places, then you learn how that the environment and some of the practices that people had influenced the kinds of gods that they prayed to, you know, for rain or, you know, maybe for, um, you know, power or thunder. These were important aspects of their life. So I think this is something that we can learn from when we think about the gods that are created in our life or the things that we consider idols, right? And so in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, we find that God required that there would be no other God above him. And because people worshipped a multitude of things, God had to point this out to them, right? This is something he gave them after they came out, you know, of... Um, 
out of Egypt, right? So some traditions actually worship the sun. They worship the water, the trees, or the earth, or even natural phenomenon like thunder, um, besides those ones that they actually built with their hands. And so the Greeks even had gods of feelings. And I think that's really interesting too. Like they had these sexual or amorous emotion god, a god of amorous affection, right? Others had gods of anger or gods of food. And it's really telling that many today don't know that they are worshiping the same gods and idols when they cannot say no to sexual feelings or to anger or to emotion or even tasty foods. (laughs) So I just want you to keep this in mind that just because someone else took their god of, I don't know, whatever it could be and made it into a stone thing. And maybe our gods are not created into stone. Maybe they just sit high in our hearts, right? And in our minds, you know, and you have to ask yourself sometimes are your moods, right? Your, your, your um, emotions, are they dictating your life? Are they your gods? And lots of people do not realize how much their moods and attitudes really are their gods, right? God is so serious about there being no other gods but him that he told the Hebrews to not even mention the name of other gods in Exodus chapter 23 verse 13. And I thought that was really wild. You know, sometimes you just kind of gloss over these things when you're reading um, the Old Testament kind of like it's a story. But when you really think about what God is saying, take some time to sort of meditate on that. In Exodus 23 13, it actually says, And in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. Now that is a pretty wild edict. And if you think about it, in fact, in Exodus chapter 22, and this is really cool. If you have a chance, please check it out. He actually advises them not to even curse other people's gods. He says, don't even curse their God, right? Don't even say you know, you horrible uh, Chemosh or Baal, you know, he says, don't even curse their other gods. And this may challenge your theology a bit, because I know that there are some quadrants of church going people who claim Christianity. And we've gotten into this thing of like talking trash about other religions and other gods. And that's not really what God wants. He really doesn't care. You know, if you notice, Jesus Christ, he never really mentioned any gods any other gods. He just told people the way. And I'm not telling you, you know, not to help people who are trying to understand more about God and who to follow and so forth. But I am saying just out there trashing other gods, small g, (laughs) he doesn't really do that. And so rather God wants them to just avoid it altogether. So when someone from another religion says that, you know, hey, we serve the same God as you, you can correct them about the God of the Bible. But beyond that, it is not our concern or our duty. You can share the gospel. You can show why Jehovah is the true and living God. But there is not a mandate for you to curse or trash other gods. God is asking you to be a promoter, not a campaign smear artist, okay? God doesn't need you to run a smear campaign against Chemosh or Baal. He needs you to be a promoter of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. So when God was cleaning out the promised land, he told the Hebrews that they were not to serve other gods or make covenants with them because to do so would be a trap. And in the same way we see that today, when we experiment in the occult, in astrology and other kinds of things, we get slowly pulled into it. Other gods will trap you. And just so you don't think it only you know, applies to Baal, we must guard against sometimes the things that we make into gods in our life, right? 
and you say, well, how can a God pull me in? Does it have a power? No, because you have to remember the God is the thing that you want. So it is your desire that is pulling you closer and closer to those gods. That's how people get more pulled into, let's say, astrology. They want to know more and more about what's happening in their life. And so the very thing that's in their life that they need direction about is going to pull them closer and closer into that because they need to know more. So don't just think it's only about Baal, right? Your emotions could be your God, your boss, your job, your spouse, your money, your power could be a God to you. So have you made a covenant or agreement to serve something or someone? This is really something we really need to think about. I want to show you something in Exodus chapter 23, verse 32 to 33. It says, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto you. That word snare simply means a trap. It will be a trap for you. And just like I told you how your desires are going to draw you more and more closer to that other God, because our gods, the things that we call gods, are really just representations of our own desires. I want you to look at Joshua chapter 23, verse 6. It says, Be you therefore courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside from the right hand or to the left, right? So he's telling you, serve the God that serves you. Serve the Lord that serves you. That's what he's telling you. Serving other gods, whether wood and stone or even emotion or societal ideas of success or power or even material possessions are a deception. And look at what Deuteronomy says in chapter 11, verse 6. I think it's really telling. It says, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. See how he said your heart be deceived? Remember I told you it's all about those desires that are drawing you there? And so there's this idea of deception. Serving other gods is a deception. And we see this with Eve when she was deceived by the serpent in Genesis chapter 3. He told her that there were gods besides the Most High that possessed this sort of special knowledge. You know, and so she and Adam, you know, in their finite capacity, um, they didn't even realize that they weren't even they weren't even capable of possessing the level of knowledge that God had. And so it is yet another reason why you must not covet what others have or who they are. You see, Eve did not know it, but she was coveting what only God truly had or what belonged to him. And Satan knew this, but Eve didn't. The Bible says that Adam was not deceived, so he knew there were no other gods. And he also knew that he couldn't have better knowledge than God. But Adam made her companionship a god. And he followed his wife, right? Adam knew it was not good for him to be alone, and so he wouldn't give that up. And so sometimes we are not deceived, but we go along with things because we don't want to give up the thing that we really love. He didn't see how that God could still make things good for him if he obeyed. Is there something or someone that you are holding on to and you are not deceived to? Let them go. You never know what God will do. If we are obedient, God can fix that person and bring them back to you or present you with someone absolutely perfect for you. So don't hold on. You are not deceived. You know better. But you must not make that relationship, that person, that situationship, whatever it could be, a God to you. 
And it is why even coveting other things that do not, that truly do not make sense. You see, you do not have the capacity to manage it in the way that someone else does right when you look over and see something that someone else has and you think oh I need that I want that right if you envy someone's house you may get an identical copy but you will not decorate it or live in it the way that they do because you're not them your relationship with that is going to be totally different right you may even envy someone's relationship but if you manage to even get their spouse or significant other you wouldn't have the same quality of relationship that they had because when we envy or covet that which is not ours right we are doing something very dangerous to ourselves right we covet it and we envy it and we are exerting ourselves, our self-will and our stubbornness when we do that. And so these acts become idolatry. They become a witchcraft unto us. And so we idolize that which is not ours. So be careful what you focus on. And I want to encourage you in this Bible study to put your focus on God and his good work in your life. Practice joy, which is the deliberate recognition of God's grace. Do not focus on what you do not have because God knows better than you. And I'm not suggesting that you don't improve your life, but to focus on it is not good. Remember, we must put our focus onto God, right? And in many cases, we do not have something that we feel that we want or need. It's not because, you know, God you know is trying to keep something from us it's that he decided he doesn't want to give it to us right now and it doesn't always mean forever he may be teaching you how to go after it in his way he may be teaching you patience he may may be teaching you how to do it and and live without it so that you depend on him and not god right when he gives it to you and when he gives you the thing that you want so god can give you whatever you want instantly but he doesn't and that is worth pondering for its value to you especially from an all-powerful God from which every good and perfect gift comes. So when we focus on him, we magnify him and we lift up his name. He becomes greater in our own believing, in our own mind, and it strengthens our faith. The Bible actually says in John chapter 12, verse 32, and if I, and it, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So Jesus was referencing his crucifixion but it is a vivid truth in our own lives. When we lift up God from these earthly concerns and things in our life, it draws men to him. And that is our number one job as disciples of Christ. There are believers saying, Lord, send me, Lord, use me. If you really want that, then start magnifying and lifting up the Lord in your life, in your decisions, in your thoughts, in your speech, in the way you live your life, in practicing the fruits of the spirit, being more like him. God can use you, but it means to put God first. There can be no other gods before him, as it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, and also in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. And if we look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, and we'll read down to uh, 20, verse 3 and 4, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto you a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath earth. So God wants us to focus on him. The more you focus on him, the greater he becomes in your own imagination. And that really matters because we're finite creatures. It's hard for us to even sort of wrap our mind around an all-powerful God. 
So when you do that, it increases your faith. And I pray that this Bible study blesses you and you continue to do the work of God. May God bless you. Bye. Hey guys, this is just an update to let you know that Love Walk is now at TikTok. You can find us at Love Walk Fellowship, all one word, at TikTok. And I just want to encourage you, don't forget to follow us at TikTok, like some of the videos, and if you want to leave a prayer request or ask a question, we can actually reach out to you right there. Remember, we are now at TikTok at Love Walk Fellowship. So welcome and come on aboard.